Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. This is the uh, Canada Basketball Olympic Qualifying Tournament Reaction Podcast. Uh, still don't have a great acronym for that just yet. And honestly, not going to need one because uh, Canada lost um in a game honestly where i'll say the first off czech republic absolutely deserved it i i know it's like heartbreaking to lose at the very end to thomas sadaransky with a turnaround jumper ludor momentarily got shook on a spin move but recovered fantastically uh was so close to blocking the shot sadaransky shoots it real high in the air basically just praying for it to go somewhere banks off the glass bounces right in the hoop and that gave um, Czech Republic the game winner. Plus, on, after review, there was 1.8 seconds uh, deemed to be left on the clock. Canada had the ball, advanced the ball. Nick Nurse drew in a fantastic play coming out of the timeout where he has sort of three screeners along sort of the edge of the free throw line. And then um, one of the, the the guys pops back, usually the big man. I've seen him run that set before with, with Marcus All. Um, in these sort of tight clock situations. But at this time, Trey Lyles pops behind. His defender is completely caught on the screen. And he has a wide-open 15-foot jumper. You know, I mean, obviously, it's very pressure-filled, and they played a huge game and everything like that. But as easy of a look, um, just in terms of space and... Uh, um, yeah, just in terms of spacing, um, as you could possibly get in that situation. And that shot rims out. So... It's heartbreaking, but I, I have to say, honestly, Trek Republic outplayed Canada the entire way. It was a miracle just to even get it to overtime because Trek Republic was up 10 
with under a minute left. So you gotta imagine how the hell does that even happen for that game to go into overtime? Well, a number of sequences went Canada's way. You had, you know, Lou Dort making a tough three. You had, um, you know, Andrew Wiggins taking, uh, you know, off a rebound, ripping the ball up the floor down six. Um, you know, f- finish it with an and one. You have a steal off that ensuing inbound by Nikhil Alexander Walker, his uh, only defensive player of the tournament. And, uh, yeah, he gets the ball to Andrew Wiggins. Andrew is then sizing up his defender with 15 seconds left, decides to take a pull up three fading, leaning, awkward, awkward angle that drops. And that gave Canada an opportunity to play that overtime. And it looked like, I mean, it didn't look like all the momentum was on Canada's side. They had played really well. So a couple of key Czech Republic players had fouled out. Um, but they just couldn't get it done. Their offense just really got stuck in the mud there in the, in, in overtime. You know, at, at first, you know, they hit a three really easily. Wiggins made a, a, a mid-range jump shot. Um, right before this, the, the, you know, to, to force the game tied at one on one before Sadaransky put them ahead. Um, but in the, in between there, there were just a lot of issues. And honestly, like, if you looked at the game as a whole, there were just a lot of issues for Canada in terms of, um, you know, if you looked at the, the, the roster and sort of the things that could potentially go wrong, right? You see kind of two things, um, that sort of stand out to you. Just based on the roster construction, didn't necessarily see them against Greece or against China, but, you know, these are lingering fears in the back of your mind. Number one, um, you know, how good is the three point shooting in Canada's team? Right? Because Canada has shot the ball pretty well in the first two games, shot about 40% both times. Um, uh, but in this game, the, the three point shooting outside of that, you know, very, very hectic last minute of regulation was not good for Canada. Canada shot nine of 37 from three, even despite the fact that they hit like three threes right in the final minute there to force overtime. Um, so, you know, the three ball was not dropping from them whatsoever. Um, and then the number two thing is just how can Canada cope with bigger players? Because this team was small and, um, you know, it's just based on the players that were available to go to this tournament. Um, you know, you could tell very much that that was going to be an issue for this squad, right? Because you looked at it, there was no, uh, Tristan Thompson, there was no, uh, Kelly Olenek, there was no Chris Boucher, no Cam Birch. So you're, you're going with Dwight Powell as your big man. And Dwight had played really well for, you know, all these games coming in. But one concern was that beyond Dwight Powell, there was not another big man on the roster that could really, really hold it down. And Dwight Powell today ends up in early foul trouble, you know, and he's not really able to impact the game. He's only limited to 23 minutes. He ends up fouling out with six points and three rebounds. And on the other end, you know, Canada just couldn't deal with this man, Andre Balvin, who was, you know, basically prime Shaq out there like at times, like, 14 points, 19 rebounds in 37 minutes. Basically, a, a you know, seven footer, maybe six eleven, but seven foot dude didn't even necessarily have like that much pop in his game. It's just the fact that he was so big and Canada was so small. They just struggled to contain him. You saw in the first half and kind of throughout the game, Nick was trying different combinations. You saw Andrew Nicholson in the first quarter. You saw Anthony Bennett in the first quarter. You saw a lot of Trey Lyles, two big lineups. None of those things were lineups that were really ever any good for Canada. Um, because Dwight Powell was single-handedly carrying that front, co- front court. 
and this is one of those things where after every single one of these sort of um, huge disappointments in Canada basketball, you always turn back and say if they had one more guy, right? If they had one more big, that what would have what would have changed? Because you know what? Quite honestly, I was not impressed with Trey Lyles at all in this tournament, and the fact that he was just the five at the end of the game on the floor. Yes, he made some plays, but I was always feeling very shaky about that. The fact that even even Dwight Powell, as well as he played, he's small. He just is small for centers. So Canada just consistently had issues with, you know, guarding the pick and roll. And Czech Republic, of course, they got some really hot shooting from Blake Schib. Blake Schill? I don't know. They pronounced his name a few different ways on the broadcast. In any case, uh, we should really know what his name is because he had 31 points in 42 minutes. Was sensational. Uh, seven assists as well, but mostly the three-point shots. He made seven threes. I mean, for reference, Canada made nine as an entire team. He was disgustingly good. And, of course, Sadoransky did a really good job of sort of managing the game and, of course, making that you know great shot at the end. But... Gives Canada really, really struggled with that size in the middle. They had to, they had the foul Czech Republic quite a bit. Of course, Canada was able to score as well, given the fact that they have a lot of offensive wing talent. But it's just not quite the same. It really wasn't quite. It wasn't the same. And when you look back at this game, there's a few regrets that you have to have from all levels. And I, you know, you could start with Nick Nurse. Who, you know, obviously, I'm a I'm a fan of Nick, but I, I think I, some of the rotations that he had in this game didn't fully make sense to me. Like, why, in a game where you're struggling defensively, how come Lou Dort only played 20 minutes through the through regulation? If, in fact, it was less than 20 minutes. It was slightly under, 19 minutes, something like that. But there's a, it's a 40-minute game in regulation. How is Lou Dort only playing half that time? I understand you need some size on the floor, but um, let's be real. Is is Trey Lowes giving you any size at, 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 at you know at one four seven from the field and not not really guarding much? Right? Is uh, Anthony Bennett three minutes? Was were were those three minutes necessary? Even Andrew Nicholson, who came in and gave you some scoring, yeah, he had ten points a five six nine shooting, had a couple of timely putbacks, missed his threes, but whatever. Um, he got four offensive rebounds. That's fine. He gives it all back defensively. He was still a minus 12 in those 15 minutes, despite him scoring 10 points rather efficiently. So all that stuff was not as necessary. And of course, someone has to, I guess, at least be the de facto big because you really can't just go with five wings. But at the same time, there's, there had to have been a way to have played Lou Dort more minutes than they gave him today. Like, for example, Corey Joseph playing 18 minutes. None of those 18 minutes were productive. At all, Corey had a really miserable tournament. Let's be real; he didn't really do much um, other than throw one or two alley oops. You know, RJ carried them throughout the course of the game. That was fantastic. You know, but he was initiating a lot of plays. Obviously, uh, Wiggins can initiate a lot of plays as well, and you know, Nikhil can initiate as well. And Nikhil had a bit of an inefficient game, mostly because some of his runners weren't dropping. Seven of eighteen from the field, although he's you know was still overall not bad. But still, I go back to this Lou Dort point, man. Why couldn't Lou Dort not play more? He was absolutely one of Canada's five best players in this tournament. Again, he played the entire overtime period, which was fantastic. But through the first, like, actual regulation period, only 19 minutes for Lou Dort. And, and he was coming in, and he was making plays. I understand the three-point shot for him is slow. It wasn't dropping, although he made the biggest three he needed to. But still, like, there, you know, there was things that you would, you know, want more of in an offensive perspective. But... The way Lou Dort 
contained the basketball, right? You know, pick, pick and roll was the, the bulk of what Czech Republic wanted to do. Uh, you know, they were getting downhill. They were forcing some switches. They were forcing some mismatches. Uh, they were getting the ball down low to the big man. Canada was having to help down low on the big man, spraying it back out to the three point line threes, which by the way, I've said that many times, probably with, with, with the, the Raptors this season. Okay. They've, they've had similar roster construct issues in the NBA. In any case, though, when Lou Dort was in the game, that was different, man. He was forcing people away from the screen, taking them out of that play and just making them play one on one. And yes, Sadoransky made that jumper. That's as good of defense as you could possibly play on him. Um, you know, it just, I didn't understand that. So I think Nick should take some fault here. I think some of the guys on the roster, um, you know, again, these guys are all volunteering their time. So it's hard to sort of knock them for that just based on their performance basketball-wise. I thought Trey Lyles started the four games, started three games for Canada in this tournament. Didn't really like necessarily what he was doing throughout any of that. Um, you know, he, you might look at the box score and say he still had 11 rebounds that led the team. Obviously, rebounding is an issue. Um, but I just didn't really, really know what he was contributing throughout the whole this time. I mean, even though he was big, um, the size was not used productively. Offensively, he makes some plays, but he also stops the ball, which is a little odd. Like multiple times he had Nikhil wide open in the corner, didn't swing it to him. This is during the fourth quarter as well when Canada sort of can make some plays happen there. Um, and even Wiggins, right? Who, who had, again, a sensational sequence, the and one. Uh, to, to, you know, the three point play there, then the three to send it to overtime, then the pull up two in overtime. That was all fantastic as well. But Wiggins himself was in foul trouble, uh, and kind of was invisible for the first half when, when, you know, it, basically he, him out of the game meant RJ Barrett was the only one, you know, keeping them in it. And RJ played fantastic. I have nothing to complain about RJ's game. I mean, I wish the three would hit at a higher clip, but clearly he can go to the rim. Clearly had a lot of, um, passion for, for playing for this specific team in this specific context for, for Canada. Obviously his dad being the GM also really, um, is, is a nice little layer there too, but you could just tell his, his attitude in terms of how much he rallied the guys around him every single time there was a sort of a break in play. You see RJ imploring his team, willing them on, you know, that, that was very important. Um, but, you know, that wasn't there. Dwight Powell got into some foul trouble. I mean, look, it made sense. If you were going to try to attack Canada, you, you work pick and roll over and over again, try to get Dwight Powell into foul trouble. If he comes out of the game, Canada is really, really vulnerable. And that that's exactly what happened. But still, you got to say, Dwight Powell could have played a lot better, um, you know, you, you, when you're that important as well, like to the team, you need to be on the floor more. You just have to, right? And 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 that's something that, that hurt Canada. And honestly, you could even give some blame to the referees because, you know, at, at times there were some real questionable calls, um, including late in the game where, um, you know, there was a deflection uh, that for some reason went uncalled. This is in, in the last minute uh, of regulation. Uh, Lou Dort sort of dove in and um, deflected the ball out of uh, Sadoransky's hands, sort of broke up the pass on the inbound. Um, no replay there, even though the ball appeared to roll off of Sadoransky's fingers. To be honest, I don't necessarily feel that strongly about that call just because I dislike that call. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, if you tip the ball while the guy's trying to catch the ball, like it's, I don't know, man. It, it, it feels like the spirit of the rule should mostly be who forced the ball to go out. Um, and if it rolls off the fingertips because it was slightly discharged, I don't know. But still, the rule is still the rule. And I'm surprised they didn't go review that. They reviewed plenty of plays, including 
when Trey Lyles had to, was was called for uh, you know the essential uh, you know the, the a flagrant foul essentially unsportsmanlike conduct, um, when he sort of went up to contest uh, a shot against uh, Balvin, and um, and he was in midair, he was uh, bumped out of position in midair, so he lost his balance and his elbow came down and hit the guy in the head. And look, it was a horrible scene. The guy had to you know was bleeding and everything like that. He had to come out of the game for a while. But at the same time, it's like, that, that's not a flagrant foul. I'm sorry. That's a basketball play. Like, accidents happen in basketball, but it doesn't mean you have to call a flagrant foul. The funny thing is you have in the FIBA setting, everybody's mic'd up. So as everything's really public, you can hear one referee being like, yeah, he lost his balance. So, you know, that's not a foul for me. And the other guy's just like, look, his elbow hits his head. That's a flagrant. And like, you have to really consider the context of that. You just really have to. But in any case, that created an extra possession for Czech Republic uh, through, uh, the, you know, the two extra p- uh, free throws, plus they get the ball back, plus they got a shooting foul on the play. The guy shot like four straight free throws. So, you know, a lot of that came into play. You know, you can pl- you can blame a lot of other guys, but ultimately, Canada just didn't get it done. And that's the that's the hugely disappointing part, because um, as w- as much as this was not Canada's best roster possible, um, l- we just have to get this idea out of our heads. Canada's never going to have their best roster possible, period. There's not going to be one summer or one period or one Olympic qualifying session or whatever where there are nobody who is free agents, nobody who is who is injured, and everybody is available to play and everyone's totally in and everyone's not having kids and everyone's not doing this and this and this. That's just not possible. You're not going to have everybody there at the same time. The idea is that you get the talent base high enough where you can have enough people going each time so that even with a certain subset of injuries... That would be possible. That's essentially what happened here for, for Canada in this tournament run. They were the favorites to win the tournament. They should have won the, at least this game, um, coming into this game, but they didn't. And, and that's the story way too often with Canada. It just is. And I think the disappointing part is really just like, um, you know, you get your, you get high hopes. And I think you should have high hopes. Like, I think Canada has a lot of great players. That being said, though, the FIBA game is different. Like, it really is different. Like, I think size really matters. And we saw in this game, just the fact that one guy, like, I don't think most people have heard of Anzaj, um, Andre Balvin. Like, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm screwing up the names. I really don't like that. But at the same time, like, you know, 19 rebounds by himself. <laughs> That's half of Canada's total period. Canada got a rebound at 52 to 39. Like, you know, size is a real issue. Um, and, and honestly, like Canada always, it feels like to me, at least Canada always is fielding a younger team as well. So you see moments of inexperience, right? Even like, for example, today, Nikhil, as good as he is, um, you know, as, as an offensive player, and he was electric tonight, even though he, he shot 718 from the field. But as good as he is offensively, he does give a lot of it back by just committing one, like, unnecessary foul, perhaps. Like, you just reach in and swipe for no reason. He gets posted up against a mismatch. Okay, that's fine. That sucks, right? You know, but what you're going to do is hold your position, you know, hold your ground, make him, you know, spin towards the help, and trust that your help defense is going to be there, be a little tough. And maybe, look, listen, you stand in the position, you flop a little bit, like, there's a lot of things you can do as a guy who's smaller to guard in the post. One thing you shouldn't be doing is immediately swiping in with a desperation attempt to try to swipe the ball just because you know you're at a disadvantage. So you just gamble and, and whatever. That's not even that bad of a mistake. There's a lot of other times where like Lou Dort just has a guy completely bottled up and Nikhil just reaches in and fouls for no reason and Czech Republic's at the free throw line. Like, you know, there are moments of inexperience. There really are, but it, it's just, um, 
It's disappointing, ultimately. It really is. It really is. And um, I feel for some of these guys, I really do, because, you know, each time something like this happens, you know, we have to have this sort of whole, you know, um, I don't know, national reckoning of, oh, my God, is this guy loyal, this guy not loyal, or this guy patriotic or not? All that stuff is bullshit. Like, don't buy into that. Absolutely not. If the circumstances line up, players play. Just like in, if circumstances line up for you in life, you choose to be there or you choose not to do something, whatever, right? That doesn't necessarily have any reflection of that. To be honest, these players are all playing for the love of the game. But at the same time... um, you know, you could still feel disappointed just because you know how much talent is in Canada, right? I don't think there's another program in all of world basketball that has as much talent versus uh, how little result they get out of it. And I feel bad for a lot of these people. Like, I feel bad for Canada basketball as an organization because they've done a lot of good things here. Um, they secured the, the play-in tournament as one of the four hosts of course, this was in 2019. You couldn't have foreseen that a year later you would have a global pandemic and 10% fans in the arena. Not really much of a home court advantage there. You couldn't have foreseen the fact that, you know, because of the pandemic, Canada wasn't able to play any warm-up games. So as much as like, yeah, they look good in their first two games, this is their third game playing together, period. So, you know, that's got to be an issue as well. You know, you look at other countries, they're able to sort of play some warm-up games, things like that. Um, and you feel for the players, first and foremost, because a lot of these guys gave, you know, a lot of effort. I mean, as much as Corey Joseph was disappointed in his tournament and today, three points, 18 minutes, not good, uh, minus 21. Um, you know, you got to give it up to Corey for the fact that he's, he's come out and shown up for all these tournaments. Corey's played with rosters that were a lot more sparse than this current one. Um, and, and luckily he, you know, this is probably one of the few times that Corey's played with a roster with enough talent. Where if he had a bad game, someone else can actually come in and play for him, just like Nikhil did, right? Um, you know, you, you you look at Dwight Powell, like coming off an Achilles uh, injury, he didn't really have that big of a year with Dallas. Comes in here, you know, at least the first two games played fantastic. You know, RJ, you know, a very promising rookie or not rookie, but uh, you know, I guess second year player. Yeah, but you know, he's he, he's really stepped up. You look at and the reason I say that is because like. It's not just necessarily the performances, but as a leader of the team, you could see him, you know, having guys gravitate towards him. You could see him sort of taking charge and command of the group, being willing to make big plays. And, and even Wiggins, right? Like, I know, I know Wiggins became sort of this sort of like, uh, poster boy for, um, you know, this is all that's Canada's problems. The players don't want to play because they're, you know, selfish NBA players or whatever the, the, the stupid narrative is. Um, uh, and, and for some reason, Wiggins just became the poster board for that as if he alone was the issue. I mean, you see what the big difference was to have a guy on like that on the roster. He made some huge, huge plays. Um, and he was, you know, pretty good throughout the tournament. I just thought he was a little bit quiet in the first three and a half quarters of this game, but clearly he showed up in a big way. And, you know, there's talent on this team. There is, there's talent in this country, but, and they got, they got Nick Nurse to coach the team, which is fantastic. I believe Nick, he volunteered to coach the team. I mean, he's not the volunteer as in he doesn't get paid. He gets paid, but like it's not very much compared to what he gets paid in the NBA. He's, he's like, here's here. He's here for the team. He's committed to the program. You got a lot of players showing up and maybe more in the future, but the end result is still just like, damn, they didn't get there. And it, it's, it's funny because it's not like winning this tournament was just going to be this necessarily crowning achievement. Getting to the Olympics is not the goal. Getting, once you get to the Olympics, you gotta go for the medals. You gotta be one of the top three, right? You gotta come back with something. 
And that's the, that's the goal every uh, one of these guys has in mind. Like they want to go to this thing, they want to sacrifice their time. Like the commitment in terms of timing was huge. They gotta go. They gotta go to Tampa for a week during their off season. You know, come out after playing a whole year. Um, then they gotta come here play in the Victoria thing. Then they gotta go travel to Tokyo and in the, in the bubble and things like that. It, it you know it was a big time sacrifice for a lot of these guys. They chose to do it. Um, and they just couldn't get it done. So I'm, I'm sure they're disappointed as well. But, you know, it, it, the game was what it was. Canada did have certain weaknesses. And, you know, I wasn't expecting Turk Republic to sort of exploit that. And, you know, if this happened against Turkey, for example, and if it was Furkan Korkmaz hitting like, you know, seven threes the way, you know, uh, Ship was or, or, or as, uh, you know, if, um, you know, if it was, I don't know, like Alpern Segun, like coming in with 19 rebounds. Like that, you know, that, 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 that you can maybe more accept more just because you recognize those names. But at the same time, like this is, this is basketball. Like these guys are pros. They, they, you know, other countries have real talent too. And they came together, played a fantastic game. So you got to give it up for Czech Republic. You really do. They played a really, really good game. They were underdogs, but they came out really strong. They showed no fear from the start. They made a couple of big jumpers and they literally held the lead the whole entire time. I mean, Canada took the lead for the first time in overtime. Right. So Canada was chasing from behind this whole game and it just didn't really work out for them. And, and that's, that's really a shame. It's just, it, it's a shame because I, it's, it's opportunity wasted. And I'm sure a lot of people are disappointed, but you know, it, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> this is how it goes with Canada basketball sometimes. But you know, I, I still think the overall, you have to feel optimistic for where the program is headed. And that's the part that's really frustrating because as much as you can be like, I'm out on this program or I don't like this program. I mean, first off, you're still going to be Canadian. Uh, and so you don't really have another team. You're not just going to like switch nationalities and change and become a different fan. And, and, and B, like, you know, the, the, the players will eventually cycle out and some other guys will come up. And you do have to feel pretty happy about the fact that, you know, you look at like Barrett, for example, like 21 years old, um, playing such a big role in such a prominent way. You got to expect him to, to keep doing what he's doing. Um, you know, obviously if guys get healthy, you know, how much of a difference would like Shea and made for this roster for Jamal, even some of the bigger guys, you know what I mean? Like some of the centers that are coming up for Canada, you know, like you just have to hope this eventually it'll work their way. But this is sort of the nature of international basketball is that you get these very, very tight windows, you know, all circumstances have to really line up. Right. And then you need to get some luck because, you know, if, let's say if it was Canada versus truck Republic in like a, you know, a seven game series, Canada's probably winning that, but at the same time, as you know, as a Raptor fan, if, if, if the whole series came down to game one, well, you can have a lot of heartbreak happen. So, um, it's tough. It really is tough. And, uh, I really do wish some of the guys played better, but, um, you know, this, this team was always questionable in terms of their shooting and with their size. And today, both things happened at the exact same time while Czech Republic got some fantastic performances from some, some key players. And that's it. So Canada's out of the tournament. They aren't playing Sunday. Uh, they're not going for their first um, appearance in the Olympics. That's got to wait. Um, uh, you know, again, Canada is, uh, yeah, still, at least on the men's side, still looking at uh, 2000 as the last appearance. Of course, if you, you know, uh, that doesn't mean you're gonna, not going to watch basketball in Canada, period. You're going to definitely going to watch um, the Canadian women's national team. They're definitely going to be one of the strong contenders to medal. They've already made the Olympics. They, they, they breezed past their qualifying tournament last year. Um, I guess, was it last year or two years ago? I, I forget now, but you know, the pandemic has really ruined time. But in any case, like for the men's team, it's, 
it's kind of the same story. Although even that feels a little bit unfair because it's not necessarily the same story. Like I think the circumstances were different. I think the way they played was a lot better. But at the same time, you know, if, if you're looking to see this team in the Olympics, if you're looking to see all this Canadian talent that keeps getting drafted every single year, um, and going high in the draft and going lottery picks, number one overall, you had no two number one picks on this roster, uh, with, with Wiggins and Bennett who went back to back, you know, it, it still hasn't fully materialized for, for this, for this thing. So, I mean, does that mean you just give up? No, but you could definitely be disappointed. Uh, and I don't blame anyone for being disappointed, especially the fact after they went to overtime. That's the thing. They went, they, they had a miracle to get to overtime. Again, they were down 10 with 50 seconds left and then they went to overtime. You know how stupid that is. That's so rare that that happens. Uh, you know, though, even the shot Wiggins hit to send it to OT was stupid. Um, but then they, from there, they just missed so many possessions and a lot of possessions, just guys running into the seven foot in the middle, who's allowed to stand the paint all day because basketball's played differently elsewhere. And, you know, that, that was kind of the game. And, and you could look back on it and have some regrets. You know, I thought Canada didn't move the ball that great either. Yeah. I mean, you gotta like that, you know, when you hear Nick Nurse mic'd up in the timeout, he keeps stressing the fact that you gotta, you know, run some pick and rolls with the side to side action, move the big, maybe get the big, switch that onto a smaller player, then you pull the big out of the paint, and then you attack. You know, it sounds straightforward, it sounds simple, but, um, Canada just couldn't get it done. And defensively, of course, that was also lacking. So, it is what it is. Congrats to the Czech Republic. And, um, yeah, in terms of your three stars from this game for Canada, first star, I mean, that to, um, to RJ. RJ deserves it, man. He was, he was fantastic for the whole tournament. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. Only regret is that he, he he shot 3 of 7 from the free throw line randomly, but 9 of 17 from the field. Made a number of tough finishes. Got to the line. Obviously led his team. Played some pretty good defense throughout again as well. I'm, yeah, I'm very impressed with RJ, man. I, I think obviously the 3 is one thing, but it just to have a guy at that size with that kind of willingness to play. Like if honestly, if like you know, Wiggins had RJ's fire, Wiggins will be in like levels above what what um what RJ is, and maybe he he is still at least one or two levels above based on his perimeter game. But I love the way RJ plays, man. It was very fun watching him in this tournament, watching him up close, getting to root for him. Uh, and again, it's it's I feel I feel for him, even though he will have more chances to put on that red and white jersey. Um, second start going to Andrew Wiggins. Uh, again, really quiet first three quarters, but really came alive there. A miraculous stretch. Finished with 22 points, 8 of 15 shooting, 6 of 9 from the field, uh, from 2 uh, two of 6 from 3, including that ridiculous one to send it to OT. I mean, 8 rebounds, 3 assists as well. Battled some foul trouble, but he played. When when it really mattered, in terms of as a closer, Wiggins was really there for Canada in this tournament. Um, you know, whether it was against Greece, whether it was here against uh, Czech Republic, and you know, it just, uh, I, I honestly, I wouldn't have minded if Wiggins got the ball more often in OT. It didn't really feel like Wiggins, you know, was given the ball and let him operate kind of that stuff. It didn't really feel like that happened all that often. And, you know, the one play that does stand out in OT was Canada down two. Wiggins comes out to pick and roll. He's in the mid range, pulls up and gets the two, no problem, and, and, and ties the game. So, you know, that's tough. And then your third star, um, you know, I'd probably give it to Nikhil, honestly. I, I mean, Lou Dort really should have gotten more consideration here if he played a m- amount of minutes appropriate to the, to what he should have been doing. I mean, I, I get it from Nick's perspective. A lot of, you know, the roster is small. You, you're going up against a team like Czech Republic that has like multiple bigs. 
Uh, even their guards are big when you look at Sadaransky or, 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 um, the other guy, Shib, but, um, still, you needed more Ludor, and when he was in there, he was very impactful. But I'll give it to Nikhil. 21 points. The shooting 7 of 18 is not necessarily that great, but he got to the free throw line 5 or 6 times, gets 4 assists, and of course, he had the game-saving steal there to set up Wiggins off the inbound. Uh, Nikhil jumps in, swipes the ball, uh, was able to you know dump it off to Wiggins, and uh, that set up the play, so you got to give him some credit there. So those are your three stars. In terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner, that that's only going to go to one man, Blake Shib. Uh, I mean, we should have renamed him Blake Shib, man. This this guy Shib Canada right in the side, uh, seven times to be exact from the three point line, four times from two, thirty one points a game high, played forty two minutes, uh, seven assists as well. You just I and mean, he just hurt Canada. I was very close to give it to Balvin as well, just because of his defense and his rebounding. Again, most of you know Czech Republic's defense was just him standing right at the basket, guys driving into him. He had five blocks, but I mean, it's the it's the threes from 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 Shiv. <laughs> I'm just calling him Shiv, man. It's Blake Shiv. He, he Shiv Canada a few times there. So, um, yeah, that's uh that's how it goes for the tournament. So no Olympic basketball. For the men's team once again. Wow, this is tough. Um, this is at least not as bad as losing to Venezuela. Um, you know, no disrespect to Venezuela. It's just a, like that was not their best roster. Um, and yeah, you know, I guess Canada has to come, come back to the circle, you know, drawing board, I guess, and try to even in, uh, increase their rec- um, recruitment even more and things like that. But. It, it does suck uh, um, on all levels. So that does it for <laughs> this uh, this this Canada basketball takeover of the Raptors over everything podcast. I guess next week we'll be back to Raptor coverage. Um, as usual, we'll probably be looking at the draft. We'll probably be looking at sort of trade rumors and all this other stuff, um, and sort of look at sort of you know the Raptors. It is Raptors over everything, but I did really enjoy watching Canada basketball this week. Right until um, Sadoransky hit that turnaround jumper, which again, still so dumb, man. It, it banked off the glass. Lou Dor was right there. Uh, it, it's an outrageous shot, but um, it's not an unfair result, uh, as they say in football. So um, thanks everyone for watching. And um, yeah, that's tough. I don't know. It's tough. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 